Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. media instagram twitter facebook all of that just search for marcia's plate m-a-r-s-h-a-s-p-l-a-t-e y'all ready let's get started hey what's up y'all what's hey peace i came across footage of steve harvey doing a whole comedy skit not sure if y'all seen it, but he did a whole comedy routine regarding the fact that he would sell out. He literally said that if Hollywood paid him enough money, if Hollywood paid him like a few million dollars, that he would literally play a monkey and that he wouldn't care if the black community was upset. Are you serious? I'm dead. That was his. That yes, was his really joke true. in his. Set. That was the joke. Yeah, in the set. That was that, that was the joke, and then he started literally acting like a monkey on stage. He literally started cooning. Wow. But I. I mean, that was his set, though. But also, if I'm to be honest, that is not uncommon. I tell people all the time. I think we talk about racism and patriarchy all the time, but I feel like the silent killer of our community is. Um, you know, class that people trying to get access to that class, access to that money, and access to that that status. Mm-hmm. I think people sell out for that shit all the time. Even when we <laughs> think about like nonprofit, when we think about um, people who throw our community under a bus just for a couple of hundred k. Mm-hmm. I I even think about you know the fact how I've sen- I've censored my own self just to be able to profit off of my social media platforms. You know I think that we are so desensitized as a culture in America. I think that is American culture capitalism. I think we're so desensitized to capitalism that most of us do have a price. You know, for me, it's it's a survival thing. I'll tell you straight up. When people ask me my price, it is not very high, but it is enough where I can be able to venture out and become truly independent. I'll coon for you for five minutes, and the rest of my 10 minutes of my fame is going to be me actually educating the people. I'll coon, I'll coon to get through the door, baby. But once I'm through the door, honey, you done let the wrong nigga in the house. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel... I, you know, I've never been offered enough money and I have been offered money for, to do certain things, but I haven't been offered enough money yet 
no, not enough money to make me sell nobody, sell my politics out. I haven't been in that situation where it was enough money where I that I didn't turn it down. I can't say if somebody came with a million dollars that I won't do something. I don't know. I can't really say that. But I know once I get the million dollars in my account, honey, I'm, um, I'm going to be doing what I need to do for my community. But I can't. I've never been offered some life changing amount of money. I have been offered money that is like, oh, this is a big sum, but. I don't want this would embarrass me to do this like this would I have been offered certain, you know, reasonable, not anything life changing. So I've never been tempted to be like, oh, let me shuck and jive for something. I've never been in that situation. Um, so I won't say that I won't. <laughs> that would be fake. That would be fake. That would be fake for me to say that I won't. But I haven't, I've been offered a lot of some cute coins though. Like some like, ooh, and I had to be like, ooh, no, this is weird. No, no, thank yeah. you. No, so, no, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be able to, you know, jump too far from my brand. But for me, cooning would be, um, if, compared to a lot of other people, like we ain't never going to pull no Candace Owen. No. You know, we, we ain't never going to pull no, um, shit, I couldn't even pull a Tyler Perry for real. But I could probably do an Oprah. What is a Tyler Perry? A Tyler Perry means, you know, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not going um pretend to be somebody I'm not. I'm I'm not going get on stage and act like a black man just to um perpetuate negative stereotypes about black men. Oh, I would do that. <laughs> I would do that. I don't find what Tyler Perry does um, to be super, super egregious. I I think it is critiquable, but for me, I don't think it's super, super egregious. Um, I not definitely not. No, I couldn't do no. no it's, not it's not isolated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I couldn't be no Candace Owens. Um, you said you could be an Oprah. What does that mean? I could be an Oprah, meaning I could um I could give them a certain amount of ownership. I could give the for lack for lack of better uh wording right now, I could give the overseers um ownership of my voice for a certain amount of time, meaning I I would censor myself. I I would censor mm -hmm. myself for a period of time for a certain amount of money. But baby, as soon as I get that independence, as soon as I set up all those finances. To be independent and to not need you anymore, oh baby, honey, this voice is going to come out free and clear. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Also, you know, I don't find Oprah to be problematic in the sense of, um, yeah, she's a billionaire, so you know, there comes with, you know, certain things. But I, I don't, I don't. Oprah doesn't make me cringe. Somebody like, yeah, I'm trying to think of people who make me cringe. Actually. Jay Z kind of makes me cringe. How he moves with, mm -hmm. like, like he moved. How he moved with the NFL was really, mm -hmm. really cringy to me. When it's that direct way, like when it was that direct to, you know, I, I don't find Oprah, whatever Oprah does, to be directly counter to blackness because I always see Oprah centering her blackness and her black experience. So I don't really, yeah, almost everything she does, she brings it in. 
Yeah, yes, right. does she does she make it palatable to you know middle white middle America? Sure, but I, I always see her um bring a, 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 some form of black narrative respect respectable black narrative. Even, but <laughs> I was gonna but, say even when she yeah when she had her show she would you know oftentimes. There's a lot of code switching happening between, you know, she's talking to the white people, but there are plenty of black women and, you know, yes. me navigating as a young, young, you know, black girl, you know, where you knew Oprah was like talking to you and not the white people. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't yes. like, you know what I'm saying? There was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, I, I think one of the best examples would be the Legends Ball, but that kind of, that's what she would do on her show anyway. Right. Yes. So it'd be like, you know, the white people would not be, she'd be talking to us, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. or, or when she would call switch for the white folks and, you know, and, and the folks, the black folks would always be like, you know, like we all, yes. we all navigate in the same uh, world of white supremacy. Like, it's not like we okay. don't live in the same of the United States. <laughs> so, like, yeah. All of us are. I think for me, the only difference between the Jay-Z's and the Oprah's and the Tyler Perry's um, is that at one point, is, is that I feel like they they're all at a point where they could truly be independent. They've all been at a point where they could be independent. Tyler takes advantage of his independence. He does. But um, I think that they're all at a point for me where I would no longer be cooning. Yes, I think that I think that's legit. Y'all have enough money to where y'all can be in a position to where y'all don't need to um, cater to anybody you have enough money now and that makes total sense and which is which is why for me the little situation with nfl was really really weird because it was a direct connection to what we were something we were trying to say as a community and you coming in acting like you were for us and wasn't really for us and yeah, right, kind of, right, right. Yeah, exactly. that was it's, like get the fuck out of here exactly. um yeah it was that was weird i didn't like that but yeah, I was gonna say Oprah had a good long run with all the, a lot of the production stuff she did outside of mm -hmm. the show. Mm -hmm. Whether that was Eyes Were Watching God, Women of Brewster Place, the Women of Brewster Place TV show. Um, what were some of the other? Well, obviously, the Legends Ball. Um, but what were some? He said, Beloved. Yeah. You know, um, Let's bring in Tony Morrison into the, the color Color purple, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the color purple now too, right? Like, all these people are coming at uh, Oprah Winfrey about this situation with the studio when she's a producer and they got nothing to do with the studio. And then when she found out about it, she said, "Well, let's correct it." And they don't pay, I'll pay for it. So it's like, you know, we, you know, it's just we're all people do, as black people to be suspicious of one another, particularly of black women. It's like something to always kind of keep in mind. When we're prepared to just throw some black people <laughs> under the bus. We know how capitalism works, and we know that we have been sold out by some people who are as rich as uh, Oprah. We have been, you know, we know that somebody in this position can be toxic. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think the difference psychologically, um, I think it's necessary for me to point out that in my knowledge of Oprah and Jay-Z specifically, um, I believe that they're traumatized by poverty. Yeah. With that trauma, and, and I'm somebody who who doesn't, who doesn't didn't experience that at a young age, I didn't become poor until I was grown. 
Um, so, and, and out on my own. So for me, I've already lived a life where I've seen that no material things can bring me happiness. I, I've learned from a very young age that, you know, my happiness and my strength and my contentment is something that has to come from within. I think to your point, like Oprah had an interview recently where she said, or within the last five years or so, where she was like, I'm just feeling like safe and stable and comfortable and like secure financially for the first time because of going up in so much poverty and just racism. And, you know, like she spent some time in an ill mill in Milwaukee. That's part of where she grew up and trust and believe, you know, you're dealing with forces that are trying to swallow you up all the time. For a lot of people that grow up in poverty or grow up with just traumatic circumstances, yeah, that's absolutely like. Yeah. But they also have the resources to uncover those things. Not, not saying that it's a time limit, but they also have a resources to uncover those trauma. And they have been rich long enough to have figured oh, that out. And we have <laughs> seen that we see the shift in them and them, you know, peddling to us the shift in their consciousness, like in regards to like harm and trauma. We literally see Jay-Z in interviews talking about unpacking, you know, different traumas and stuff and same thing where we've been seeing it with oprah but um they have they've had the money to be able to do that so i expect them to be you know healed on a different level than the rest of us (laughs) y'all got the resources to get the nice therapist and and do and go do the self-care thing and do the what's the little what's the popular celebrity drug now the ayahuasca or what is it called yeah Yeah, y'all can go do these Psycho psychotropics to kind of unlock whatever blah 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 y'all 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 have the money to do that shit. Yeah, with great power comes great access, but also great well, responsibility. Yes, and all, I'm, all I was gonna say was earlier about this that I was thinking like one of the it's like it's always been the situation with a lot of celebrities, regardless of the community they're a part of. I guess I'm just saying it just seems to in our you know in our social media culture and all this kind of stuff influencer culture era it's like this has always been a thing the difference between the response is that a lot of us are responding as like white colonizer pop culture minded versus like community minded which was like I don't fuck with you but when it comes to our shit we're gonna be on this coalition shit and not we're not just not gonna talk to you or not gonna work with you or not when it's in our interest as a community we share these things because it's coalition politics that got us all the things we have now that are they're right. continuing to take away it wasn't like i said fuck you you know what i mean like it'd be a done deal because then nobody would work together you know what i mean you would not have a snake you wouldn't have a SL, you know what i'm saying you wouldn't have any of these organizations yeah. or any of this shit that we have i'm sitting here trying to think about um, my price. <laughs> I've never really sat here thought about it. I'm really trying to think about. Oh, I have mine in my head. I'm not. I'm not going. I don't think I ever really been propositioned to have to make that choice. But there's definitely been opportunities that I walked away from that I was like, that's not aligned with my with my shit. Yeah, I I'm trying to. I don't want to. I would never kill somebody for money. Never that. I would never be in a situation where it was like a, a knowing direct harm to somebody, somebody's personhood. Never would be in a, in a sellout to in that kind of situation. Never going to be a sellout to where I'm going to um, be anti-Black. That's weird to me. Um, mm-hmm. sellout in a, if I'm going to be a sellout, it's going to be in a way that I might code switch in a, in a... I might not say 
what I feel like I would say if I was free, but mm -hmm. I'm never going to say anything against my community. Does it make sense? It's mm -hmm. never going to be I'm going to lie and say untruths about my community or untruths about. Is that somebody. just knowing your audience, though, Diamond? Is that selling out or is it just knowing your audience? To me, selling out means doing something that I wouldn't normally do if I was just free to do what I want to do. When I talk here, I won't use profanity because I normally use profanity because it's the audience. To me, that's not selling out. To me, that just means this venue was different. And I just got to, you know, like, because if it's particularly. Oh, no, no, like, no, not that. I don't think that's. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't think that's selling out. I'm talking about anything that feels like I would do this if I was free. But because you paid me this amount of money, I got to do. I got to either be silent or I got to um, either not say what I want to say. That's selling out to me. Not, I'm not talking about profanity. I'm talking about like somebody said, I don't know, I can't explain exactly the scenario, but if I feel like I'm imprisoned by your money, like, oh, I'm going to lose money if I, this big amount of money, if I say what I want to say to you, if I push back power, like I put, I speak, um, speak, um, what's the, what's the saying? Um, Speak truth, truth to power. power. Yes. Truth power. Speak truth to power. Like in this moment, I got to be quiet. If I like when I'm at like, and let's take it on a small level. Like when I'm at fucking, um, was that Bath and Body Works? <laughs> and you say some fucking racist shit because you think I'm a worker and I ain't going to say nothing back. In that scenario, I would be quiet because I would, I, would, I would be nice, nasty, blah, 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 blah. But if I was my free self, I would be like, bitch. Yeah, but, then, but, then maybe, but then maybe, maybe that is selling out. Selling out is is different for for everybody. Selling out is different for everybody. Initially, I was going to say it sounds like you're not the sellout kinds of person, but depending on your moral compass, depending on your value structure, selling out for you can seem minimalistic for somebody else. Like Jay used the example of censorship. Like, oh, Jay doesn't feel like it's selling out by not cussing. But I literally said that for me, selling out is censorship. Selling out is me being on TikTok and editing certain things out of my videos because I know it's not going to get through the algorithm. Selling out for me is, um, you know, saying rape instead of rape. You know, selling out for me is not being able to cuss how I want to cuss and talk yeah. how I want to because for me, it's, I, real, I already know that censorship um, mutes and suppresses my blackness. I know that censorship in this country is very anti-black. So for me, that is selling out, you know, but so, so I think it just depends on, on everybody selling. I think selling out looks different for everybody. Um, and I think that that's why most people, your Cat Williams and your Steve Harvey, I think they've all sold out in certain ways. To me, it's like, it depends on the context. Like if I got an intentional context for a campaign or something like that, and that the algorithm, for example, is a certain kind of way. Or if I know, like, whatever, whatever, what my long-term goal is to, like, get this message out. To me, that does, for me, like, again, like you said, we all got different, you know, what how it shows up for us around selling out. But for me, that doesn't, to me, that's just being strategic versus, like, selling out. Because what you're doing, you're not doing it because, like, the real, the broader goal is to get the message out, right? It's not necessarily to say whatever for this platform or this thing we're using. And then also when we in our own spaces, we don't usually have to do that. 
when we on shit we on. <laughs> so it's like you know what I mean. I think that I think that's true across the board for black people for all people. Um, let me give you a let, let me give you a scenario that I'm actually in right now. A couple of years ago, I I was able to get some funding from somebody to help me do this big project that I wanted to do. It was amazing. So that person who helped me out, who gave me funding, recently doubled back to me and said, hey, my president wants to come on your show because they're doing this whole, um, they're doing this whole like little press run for their organization. Now, this per this person is a very rich, multimillionaire, multimillionaire white woman that don't talk about none of the shit that I talk about on my show. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, there is a pressure of, oh, she helped me out and she has access to this money and she helped me out in the past. So normally I would I would be like, oh, sure, let's go. But. In my brain, I said, I had to tell her, I was like, no, because she don't really align with what we talk about. Mm -hmm. So th that just can't happen. Now you, and because she's a black woman, now you coming on, sharing your, what you do, that would be dope because I know you a community ass bitch and I know the shit that you're doing. So it would make more <laughs> sense for you to come on and talk about what you're doing in relation to this project y'all got going on. That would make sense, but her coming on does not make sense with my brand. And so I might I might be ruining this relationship with you, but this is my brand and I can't do that. Like that's how I think about it. And so in this scenario, I could be ruining this relationship with her because I'm not she gave me that money in the past and now I'm not I'm not stepping up to help her out at her job. Does it make sense? So you're saying the favor that she wants from you is to come on for the to bring her boss on. And and her boss doesn't align with you or they both don't align with you. Her the boss doesn't align. With, it's not that they don't align, it's just that I don't know her. I don't know her. She's a rich 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 white woman and it just sounds like a capitalist kind of situation. It feels like it feels like it just doesn't align <laughs> with did my politics. Did you tell her that that you know she should come on instead of the boss? That was my response. That was my okay. compromise. My yeah, compromise no, was you should come on because you I know you and you align because the way you talk about community is it, right. And mm -hmm. so and what you've done in 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 supporting me is <clears throat> is legit. Because one also one of my politics is. I think people who are in positions of power when it comes to money, they should be transferring the resources to poor people and working class people. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. And so you do that. And so in my brain, it felt like I was like I was I could be ruining this relationship because I wasn't doing what she wanted me to do. Yeah, I get what you, you know say. what I'm saying. Mm hmm. So, but I wasn't tempted. I was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wasn't tempted to sacrifice my integrity for my platform because at the end of the day, when this is done, this is this is going to be mine. And the people who listening to me, I want them to know that that is important to me. That integrity is important to me. I and don't know. So, I think 
I think the only the only difference between me and you in that situation for one, well, a big difference between me and you is that my personal platform is more messy than Marsha's plate. (laughs) (laughs) But but um, I don't know. For for me, I would have I would have given it a conversation. I would have given it a chance. Now, whether I aired the episode is a different thing. Um, Our correspondence during the episode would have been a different thing because um, and and something that I want you to consider. I think you could all. You're always you always had the capability of steering the conversation back to community, regardless of where it goes. Right. And I think even if you and let's say this rich white woman was stereotypical rich white woman. Right. And you had a conversation with her and it was giving very capitalistic and very unaligned. Then that would have been the conversation. Like if had it been me, that's where it would have went. But again, you know, that that would have depended on. um that that wouldn't determine whether or not it would have made it to my platform. Um, but but I think I would have gave it a conversation. But then you also and so in that scenario, you then you run the risk of her feeling railroaded. And then this is a negative energy. And you are now with that. You now you have ruined the relationship where if I say, oh, let me exp- behind closed doors to my friend who is my connection to her, because I don't know this white woman. To my friend, hey, this is what I think about this. She doesn't align specifically with us, but you do how you do this. So you can come on the show because you are a black woman. You are somebody who has acted in a way that is supporting people who are that you're trying to empower people. So that aligns with my brand. So you can come on the show and we can figure it out without it being any. Well, this is my compromise. If you feel like I have to let her on, then I have to ruin this relationship. But my compromise to, to try to not ruin our relationship is you come on and you can talk about the project. But makes sense, makes yeah. sense, sense. But you know, like again, I'm I'm messier than you. We know that I'm messier than you. <laughs> That's why I purposefully be messy on the show. Otherwise, we would just seem like a mirror. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm messy. So my brand would have lived for that, honey. Me railroading a white woman, honey. <laughs> no, ladies. <laughs> oh. All right, so. Let me let us know what y'all think about selling out. What is your price? What is your definition of selling out? What degrees of selling out? Are we talking about Candace Owens? Are we talking about Tyler Perry putting, you know, when it comes to images out? Are we talking about Oprah who you just, I think sometimes when people talk about Oprah, it's just, oh, just because she got so much money is like you automatically the villain. Tell us what y'all think about selling out. Hashtag Marches But Yeah. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play 
Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. I saw a post by Issa Rae. Well, somebody did a thing. They were talking to her, I think, at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And they asked her about the year. And she was just like, I want to be better. And I was like, yeah, I want to be better, too. <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of times we think about New Year's resolutions, and it just got me thinking about like not just New Year's resolutions, but just like what do I want to be better about? What do you all feel like you want to be better at in 2024? Uh, for my personally, it's being better at you know checking in with friends and stuff, and just trying to be more active, do more things with folks. Um, yeah, that's one of the big things is really just making that making. Uh, more connections outside of a phone call. You know what I mean? Just like being more proactive to like actually see people. Um, it's a big thing. Um, that's just one, for example. But yeah, what about y'all? How's your 2024 coming in? And then mm. what do you what do you want to be better? I mean, like, do you have a New Year's resolution? And yeah, I guess that's the first question is, do you have a New Year's resolution? And if you don't, what do you want to be better at? <laughs> do you want to be better? Like, like you ain't got shit to be better at anyway. You can be like, I ain't got shit, but <laughs> I just for thought me, it was. For me, I um the what I want to be better at. I do do resolutions. My main resolution is improving my my income. Um, a big my financially, I took a big hit and uh over the past year, and that's just because my mental health stuck to the point where I hadn't been able to work a regular nine to five job. Um, I wouldn't have been able to keep that commitment and keep that 40 hour a week, eight hour a day um, commitment because of where I where I was at at a certain point and certain points in this year and in, in the past year in 2023. So that's the biggest thing. And of course, me improving my income and gaining income sources um, involves me focusing on my mental health and continuing to focus on bettering my mental health, which has been consistently getting better. Mm. What about yourself, Donna? Oh, man. So my goal is to, um, this year, I just want to be focused on gratitude and security. I just want to be grateful for what I do have. Um, I have... The last quarter of last year was a lot of great things happened to me on the surface of last year, but it was some bad shit happening behind closed doors in regards to finances. Like I was getting a lot of amazing opportunities, but it would it, they were very un underpaid or um or not paid or you know just a bunch of you know visibility shit, but not actual tangible advancement when it comes to financial security and so i was like getting real i don't want to say bitter but like pissed off at not community but like people who were coming to leeching off of community um and i was feeling that that anger against that because i had to it was so many of the the emails like this is actually disrespectful i was sending like a bunch of emails like yo like this is actually the the 
the average rate for this and you're asking me to do it for pennies. Like this is the actual average rate for blah, 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 blah. And you want me to do it for exposure. This is actually the actual, you know what I'm saying? I, I had, I kept, usually I don't have to do that too much, but that this last like four months, I would say quarter, three months, um, that last little three months of my working year, was like a bunch of motherfuckers trying to nickel and dime. Well, the budget, well, the da, 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 da. But you're coming to me because I'm good at what I do. And how are you? I don't, then why, why wasn't your budget in your grant writing or whatever you do to fundraise? Why, why wasn't my worth included in your fundraising <laughs> strategy? I mean, I think a lot of people had way more money though during I mean with COVID, I think a lot of places that had money do not have as much money as they used to. I ain't excusing people gotta respect your rate, period. But I'm just saying, <laughs> let's be clear. Like, like that's not what the fuck I'm saying. No, respect diamonds rate, period. But I do think when because there was so much extra money during COVID, people were just like a lot of nonprofits, government agencies, a lot of people were able to just provide so much more not just in relief but in honorariums and what they were offering people because it was all this extra ass money you know what i'm saying and it's like bro you can't set an expectation it's like these expectations got set and nobody can meet those <laughs> not right not not as consistently i think people can but i don't you know not as consistently just because there's this extra money and people weren't being 100 because everybody wanted to jump on you know, Black Lives Matter, everybody want to jump on this, everybody want to jump on that, everybody want to jump on all these marginalized communities where we put in this magnifying glass on during COVID, you know, but a lot of that also was self-serving. So it's like... Yeah, my prices know. shifted pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I'm not, like I said, like I said, I'm just saying like... But yeah, I know exactly, them. there was a, a money shift that happened post-COVID, but my particular prices shifted pre-COVID and people were... I think ever since the kind of like the like 2015 era, there had been an uptick mm. in just not just mm. visibility and opportunity. And this is where we just had um, Isis King on the show and she talked about it, too. And it's not just her, but other people. There are more opportunities in the past 10 years have been coming to trans people. And so for me, I'm somebody who like, yo, like I'm not about to go back to pre 2015 prices where you just just trying to give me trying to pay me with exposure i'm not gonna do that that's just not who i am and i'm also not gonna make no adjustments so i'm gonna call you out do like literally somebody came to me their name was um something about diversity and inclusion something about that i can't remember but literally it was in their name like a it was in their name that they were doing the work to dis to dismantle disparities and they came to me on some will you do this for exposure shit i'm like you literally mm -hmm. it's literally in your name and it's really disrespectful for you to be coming to me with this bullshit because you should know better if you do this work but i mean i mean that's kind of like when we were talking a little bit about the stuff around uh providing services for trans men it's like if yo if you're not you got to do your basic homework you should know they should know who you are. They should know what to expect. They should, you know what I mean? They should, there should be a certain, if they did a little bit of homework, then they could have came to the table a little differently. 
you know, in my opinion, because like you're right, like that, like only like what? <laughs> like, why would you think it's okay to put that on the table? And I'm yeah. just sitting back here, and honey, I'm just absorbing because I'm still learning. I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm still learning what the average rate is for certain things. Mm-hmm. You know, because for long, for so long, I have been the girl who worked behind the scenes and all of this public figure, being a face, being a voice, all of this is still very new. Yeah, you should be, any labor that you're doing, you should be getting paid. And and no, I'm not, I'm not, look, I, I think about people who, you know, when I think about my rate, I think about, yo, like, what am I bringing to the table? Am I bringing, you know, no, I'm not no fucking superstar, um, you know, you know, some celebrity person. I have a very niche, a niche celebrity. Um, so I'm not going to bring, I'm not some celebrity person. So my rate is not going to be crazy, but it also, you can't hit me up trying to get me to work for exposure because exposure doesn't pay my bills. And if you are doing the work to dismantle this system of oppression, these systems where there are pay disparities, da, 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 and you advertise at this, as this person, then I expect you to know coming in that I am a working class trans woman. I am not some rich trans woman. I am a working class trans woman. And so you need to come with a certain level of, hey, this is this is what we got for you. And and sometimes I'm going to push back and say, oh, that's not my rate, but that's close. So let me adjust what I do. <laughs> there was a situation where somebody was like, oh, we want you to do this whole um long ass fucking thing for this amount of money. I'm like, my rate for this amount of time or this this type of event is this, but you don't have that. But you have something almost, almost, it's almost there. So let me adjust what I bring to the table. And they had this big issue about me adjusting. Well, I'm like, okay, then you don't want me. <laughs> like, look, I this is what I charge for this. And so I need, if you don't have it, then I'm going to, I can work with you, but I need to adjust what I do. It may, I, I, my talk or my, my speech or whatever I'm doing may not be an hour. I may not do some big ass mm-hmm. workshop. Or I might tell you, I'm not doing no workshop at all, but I'll do a fireside chat with you where you and your whoever works for you sit and have an interview with me. That's what I don't have to prepare for that. Y'all have to prepare for that. And so it it puts some of the labor on y'all where if I'm doing a workshop, I'm doing a a whole training. I got to actually prepare a fucking training for your people. So you can't nickel and dime me for my work. But if if you want me to, if you bring less money to me, then I need to adjust what I give you. And that is quite normal. And so when people act like it's not, since you, you and I'm, say, I'm saying this because you said I'm still learning. And that's what it is. Like if, if they don't have your full rate, and, and this goes back to whole days for me, <laughs> like being an escort. If you don't have my full rate, it don't mean you can't come see me, but what are the services that I provide you is not going to be my full service, baby. It's going to be, I'm going to adjust my time. I'm going to adjust what we do. I'm going to adjust so many things. Yeah, you think you're going to come in my in my hotel room and you bring me $100, even though my rate is $300? You think I'm not going to take that $100? I'm going to take that $100. But we just not going to do everything. You might no. see me just strip. <laughs> you, it's, that, it's, you make that adjustment. And I have transferred that to this, this 
time in my career as well, because I'm not going to give you my full service and full everything when you're not giving me my full money. And so mm-hmm. I knew in, in regards to New Year's, I'm coming into 2024 more diligent about that and also being grateful for what I have. Because what I do have is I have built a brand and built something that while it does not make me rich at all, I don't have to worry about if my rent is going to be paid next month. I don't live check to check. I don't live in a position where I am. um, I work for myself. I don't have a boss. All I got to do is come on here. And that's not most of our community. That's, yeah. Exactly. That ain't most black, period. Exactly. Regardless. I definitely not rich, but I don't have to, I don't have a boss. I I have to get, I, I have to get up, write grants for my organization talk and do speaking gigs for my organization, Black Trans Women's Inc. And I get on here and we do a show every week. And we, um, and I put my content out on my YouTube and put my content out on my TikTok and blah, 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 wherever. And it gets me gigs and I'm able to work and I'm able to do what I need to do and make my working class check, which is the same exact, exact type, same level of money that I was making at Bath and Body Works. <laughs> so... You get what I'm saying? It's not me making uh, uh, six figures. It is me making the same amount of money that I was checking in, clocking in at a retail store. And so being grateful for that to where when I was at Bath and Body Works, I was fucking miserable. Putting lotions on bougie ass white women and selling them candles was sad and, and, and annoying. But I left there in 2019 and I've been working for myself since 2019. And so... I appreciate it. I appreciate where I'm being grateful for that. But also now that I've got this security, how do I grow what I have bigger so I can give other people security? Because yes, I do pay y'all for being on March's Plate. Y'all get a stipend for being on this show. And so I, for me, you know, I want it to be, I want to be able to provide y'all more. I'm not in a position to give y'all a salary yet. Not, I ain't in position to give myself a salary, but I want it. Whoever is working with me, I want to create a brand that is big enough to support us and us to be able to not have to be shucking and jiving. I want us to be able to talk freely and not having to deal with corporations and the nonprofit industrial complex and whatever the negative shit that comes. I would right. love for us to make enough money to be able to get on here and talk our shit. But, you know, we are a niche podcast. And so, you know, it's just, it takes a little, it takes a little finesse. And so I'm grateful to be where I'm at, but I'm also, I do want more. And so I want security. I want, I want to be grateful for what I have, but also know that I want security for me and the people around me. So, yeah, that's my 2024 goal in 2024, just to be more grateful for what I have and also know that I deserve more and work hard to get more. Sounds good to me, honey. <laughs> what I did not ask the two of you and the audience, did y'all have some black eyed peas on New Year's Day? You know, I made me a little meal. I had me some, maybe some cat greens, some some rice and some peas and some, uh, some cornbread. What about y'all? I haven't had any, but I have spoken about black eyed peas. There you go. That'll count. <laughs> I used to have to get a spoonful, you know, even if I didn't want none, it's like, nah, you're going to get a spoonful as a kid. What about you, Diamond? 
So, yes, I did. Our, my New Year's celebration was pretty dope. I went to, um, Dominique Morgan had came to Houston and she had rented an Airbnb um, because she was doing a, she was doing an event with Mahogany Project. They were, they had a free screening of Color Purple for the community at the, at the um, AMC Theater, one of the Regal Theaters, I think. And so Dominique was hosting the event to, you know, do the color purple. And so mm-hmm. she came here and rented. Uh, um, that was on the third, but she rented. Uh, um, Who's that? Who's Airbnb. Dominique Morgan? Dominique Morgan has been on the show. She is uh, one of the up and coming voices of the trans community. Um, she does prison abolitionist work. She does philanthropy. She does a lot of stuff. She's been on the show twice. She was on her own episode. Um, and she was on the P Valley finale episode that we had a bunch of guests on to talk about P Valley. And so, um, but yes, those two episodes. Shout but out she to has yes, Dominique. Yeah, she's been on the show a couple of times. But she had came to Houston and she had rented an Airbnb and they had cooked and they cooked some black IP. So it was all just a bunch of queer and trans and some cis folks in this airbnb bringing in the new year in a safe space very little alcohol just us having great conversations about love great conversations about the new year and yes we did have some delicious soul food which included black eyed peas (laughs) yes yes, shout out shout out honey i wish i was there honey It was dope. It was dope. If you ate some black eyed peas and ate, ate good and ate down for New Year's and took a picture, do hashtag Marshall's Place. No, y'all know I've been dating. Y'all know I'm single. So I want to know how do y'all feel about non monogamy? Now, let me tell you what I've been coming across. Holly Queens. <laughs> oh Lord, I have been coming across, honey. The Polly family, honey. I, it's like Polly is trending. I have been coming across more people in relationships on the dating apps than I have people who are single. I have mm-hmm. noticed that it seems to be a trend among us queers, among us trans, to be in these Polly relationships. Now, at first, being single, I was. I, oh, baby, I took a stance against it, honey. My profile was like single only. I was pissed off. This is my first, <laughs> no, no, time. This is my first time being single in almost 10 years. And it's like, all of you queens and queers and fabulous is now poly, is now ethically non-monogamous, honey. Been seeing, people, been seeing so many profiles on single websites saying happily married. You know, I am not a polyamorous person. I've tried polyamory. It doesn't work for me. So these are just added people who are out of my dating pool. But it still pisses me off. (laughs) But it still pisses me off a bit because, honey, you fucking up my options and you already got somebody at home. But anyway, (laughs) I've been having conversations recently with people who are in um, relationships where they're poly and they're ethically non-monogamous and they're open and, you know, they're swinging and they're, you know, hanging from the chandeliers and all these things. (laughs) I've been having having conversations with these people and I have also been noticing a trend amongst queer people. Everybody who I've spoken to personally who are in open relationships or ethical non-monogamous relationships have been people who have admitted to me of dealing with 
issues and feelings of self-worth. But in these conversations, these people have admitted that they have gone into their relationships feeling like their bodies weren't enough for their partners. These people have accepted these relationships. These people, in many cases, have settled for these relationships because they feel as if their body isn't enough for their partner. They feel as if their love isn't enough for their partner. They feel as if their bonds isn't enough for their partner. Uh, my question to y'all, have you ever or would you ever be in a poly and or ethically non-monogamous relationship? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, because I know it's not for me. Like I, it's, it's just not what, it's not what I desire. Um, Wait, hold on. Let me just make sure I'm clear on what we're what this is. So if I am with my husband and we're in a committed relationship with each other and we go out and find somebody to have a consensual sexual relationship, is that poly? Polyamory is um, literally translates into multiple loves. So polyamorous relationships are relationships where you're literally legitimately looking for love and or your partner is looking for love, romantic and sex, romantic and or sexual connections with, well, other people, with, with other people. You know, monogamy means one one partner sexually. Non-monogamous means more than one partner sexually. Ethical non-monogamy means that you and your partner are aware you're not cheating. You're not cheating. You're not lying. You're not hiding. An open relationship is when um, the the partners, spouses have an understanding. They're free to do to do whatever they want, but everybody comes up with their own boundaries. But long story short, okay. Donna, what you're describing is ethical non-monogamy, not polyamory. Okay. Well, I don't think I would be polyamorous, but I would do some ethical non-monogamy. Um, I don't mind... I want to be in a relationship with me and my partner explore our sexualities where we are in a committed romantic relationship to each other, but we also openly and freely, long as it's discussed amongst, amongst each other, bring people into our sexual relationship for spice and fun. I don't mind that, but me being in a relationship with a dude and then he has a another relationship with somebody else or or you know another two that I don't want that I, that's not the type of relationship that I want I but I don't mind the sexual exploration um you know I think that's fun and spices up the relationship us going on like a cruise and hooking up with a sexy couple that we met on the cruise I think that's oh, hot God, man, honey we would, we would we would be ideal if we were lesbians honey yes absolutely. <laughs> we we have very similar thoughts even when it comes to monogamy what about you Jay what have are you into non-monogamy polyamory um, have you been, are you open to it? Would you try? Um, I think the non-monogamous and open relationship are kind of interchangeable, right? Yeah. Yes. Polyamory and open relationships are just specific versions of non-monogamy. Hmm. 
I have been in an open relationship, an open like a long-term open relationship before. And when we came into the relationship, I didn't know they identified as poly. I don't think they knew they identified as polyamorous. We both were, uh, you know, open to the relationship being open, and you know, had our own set of rules. This is before I, this is this began before our transition. Let me just be clear. And so we both had been in open. Uh, like queer women of color type specific like black queer black and brown center kind of like sexual exploration spaces i don't know play parties i've both have been exposed to that right and so like as like queer black women at the time you know um and the kind of subculture of that within amongst queer black women <laughs> you know what i'm saying and so um and queer queer black and trans folks but at, but mostly at that time, it was mostly women. We were each other's primary partner, meaning like we were each other's main partner. So like other relationships or, you know, we had certain, you know, we just had our own rules, right? Like, I don't want to hear about this. I will hear about that. I mean, the biggest thing to me when it comes to having like an open relationship or um, if somebody who is poly or both partners are poly really is just like the communication and the consent and just like having a very clear set of you know it's all about trust and communication like you cannot be in that kind of situation without trust and communication when it comes to some of what you said you've been observing the people in those relationships are they the primary partners or are they secondary partners a lot of those people who are like i'm just in this thing kind of settling it's it's been it's been primary partners it's been primary partners you know if it was in many cases um if i talk to somebody and they're like a secondary partner of a couple or something um it 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 does it doesn't read the same as me because if if they're a secondary partner then in in reality that that's just a new name for a side piece no i mean not necessarily i, I mean there because i'll say this there is a culture around me and Polly. Um, I think more so folks who are like, I'm intentionally queer, not gay, not lesbian, particularly going back to the 90s, early 2000s. You know what I mean? Like there's there's spaces that just have always kind of existed. There's like a cult, there's like a subculture that exists. Um, and I think for folks who kind of came up in like a structured kind of like, you know, who had at least a point of reference. Versus not having a point of reference. I was talking about how I feel. Like I like to me, the the conversations are different with somebody who's a secondary partner. And to me, I feel like that person is 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 just a side piece to me. And in, in a lot of ways, uh -huh. conversations and my interactions with them work from them being a single person who is just seeing somebody else, a single person who's not non-monogamous you know the difference between the side piece and the secondary partner is like you said communication communication is the key in these relationships and communication is the whole point you know for somebody to even be able to call themselves polyamorous or non-monogamous then that means that they have a certain amount of knowledge they have a certain amount of access to information they have a certain amount of access to community you know, so it's 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 a completely different thing. Um, but I was talking about essentially it's it's non-monogamy has always been a thing. And just like monogamy isn't for everybody, non-monogamy isn't for everybody, polyamory isn't for everybody. But with 
the current sex positive movement, the current state of the sex positive movement, I noticed that there is a large trend of people who essentially are dragged into polyamorous relationships or coerced into polyamorous relationships or settling for polyamorous relationships. Is it, are you running, are you, are you coming across situations to be clear? Like, are you coming across those situations where, okay, we, let's say we primary partners and it's an open relationship. Really only one of us is actually like, Poly, poly. You know what I mean? Like identify. I've come, I've come across that. that entire, like, I'm, com- I'm coming across an entire spectrum mm. of polyamorous and non-monogamous people. I'm coming across polyamorous and non-monogamous people who are single as well. You know, but um, mm. I can't help but notice the trend in difference because this is my first time back on the dating apps in this capacity um, in the past ten years. So I can't help but notice the trend. I have different conversations with people, even in dating app spaces. Are the people that are feeling like um, coerced, are they not um, also dating other people? I commonly see one of two reactions um, when it comes to people who I see being coerced or I feel like they've been coerced or by definition have been coerced into these non-monogamous relationships, I see a tendency commonly two different reactions. Mm-hmm. I see the person who participates in the non-monogamy to, um, to set up, and I see people who participate in the non-monogamy and that is commonly to set up security for themselves. That is commonly to also reinforce their own self-worth, reinforce that they have options. Um, I've also seen people who don't participate in the non-monogamy. They just allow their partner to. And, you know, those people, again, who are, who have been coerced, they, they, they're commonly just doing or under the impression that they're just doing what's necessary to please their partner. In many cases, some of them feel like... But wouldn't that make it not ethical? Like, if you coercing somebody into something or forcing them that that would take that out of take it out of the ethical and that and that is and that is is honestly the question that i have been truly asking y'all have gotten to the crux of the discussion for me the question is are these relationships truly ethical and if for example, you're in a relationship with somebody because I'm I'm currently witnessing this. Um, two people who are in a relationship and one of those people are clinically diagnosed with issues of self-worth and security. Mm-hmm. And they a lot of us and they <laughs> and they feel as if they're settling. And they're feeling as if they're settling for a non-monogamous relationship because of their own feelings of self-worth and feeling like their body and their genitals isn't enough for their partner. And in actuality, it's not. Um, so, so yeah, so my question is, are these relationships really ethical? And, you know, um, what's up with, with this trend of, of non-monogamy? Like, with it being a trend, I think we need to ultimately have more open conversation about polyamory and non-monogamy. But to answer my own question, am I open to polyamory? No. Like I said, I've tried it before and I realized that it didn't work for me. I'm not a person 
who has the emotional stamina or energy to juggle multiple people romantically. Um, when I am in a romantic relationship, I'm not looking for love outside of that. I don't feel the need to look for love outside of that unless I feel as if it's unless I feel that this person is not compatible for me. Um, when it comes to sex, I am open to exactly what Diamond said. I am open to ethical non-monogamy, but I would only want shared experiences with my primary partner. Um, I would not want us to be seeking sexual or romantic relationships outside of each other. Um, Who's you about to say, Jay? Because I wanted to ask some clarity, but I want to make sure you got a chance to talk. Um, yeah, a couple things. One, I, I don't personally identify as a polyamorous person, uh, but I'm open to open relationships. And so, um, you know, probably more so for play. But I'm also open to open relationships, you know, romantic uh, or sexual. The point of entry of those situations just sound problematic, no matter if those relationships are going to be polyamory or mon monogamous or whatever. If, if from the if from the jump there's you know, coercion or from the jump, you know, because because really to me it sounds like we need more we need more conversations around healthy relationships in our community, and I know some some communities are doing that um in like public health or whatever but like because really that to me that sounds like the foundation of some of that is just like you know around just having some more resiliency around around that you know let me talk about conversion i'm um coercion so you can give me some clarity on that if the scenario is this person meets an person a meets person b they connect some kind of chemistry person b says oh i'm poly so if we're going to be together, you're going to have to be down with Polly. Person A says, hmm, in their brain, not communicating with the person, but in their brain, they be like, oh, I like this person. Even though I may not be Polly, um, I like this person. So I'm willing to go along with this Polly situation because I like this person. And so I'm going to make the compromise of exploring this poly relationship because I like this person and want to be with this person. To me, that is not coercion. That is you making a compromise and you making the decision, a consensual decision to be in that situation. Coercion to me is if per, if, if person A meets B and B says, I'm, um, I like, um, I'm down with being monogamous, but um and be with you um so let's let's see how we can make it work a month later man i really like this person what and this and this person communicates oh i only want to be monogamous b a person a i only want to be monogamous and person b was like oh i feel you hmm well let me bring this person in to meet you da 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 da, -da. not I'm thinking that she's trying to convince or he trying to convince um, something to happen. But I bring you this person. See how amazing B, person B is like, see how amazing this person is. Wouldn't we all be cool together? Or don't say it. Just trying to force this situation. My friends and we can be friends. We can be friends type of situation. <laughs> after this person is continuously over and over telling you, 
I want to be in a monogamous relationship, but you're trying to, but you also are sticking your romantic hooks into this person. So they're falling in love, blah, 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 blah. And then this person has eased this third person into the situation. And now you're in love and you're like, oh my God, I told you I didn't want this situation. And here you are, I'm, you're forcing me in this situation. That feels like coercion to me. That feels like you manipulated me in this situation, even though I clearly made told you that this is not what I want. And now mm. I'm in this situation and it's kind of murky. So I think, I think that's a a, a a very specific um instance. And I agree that that does that does by definition seem like coercion. Coercion is when you manipulate somebody in, into something they really don't want, right? Um, okay. So I feel like that is a, a strong example, but I feel like there could potentially be other examples of coercion as well. I feel like anytime you get into, anytime you enter in a relationship and you commit yourself to someone under the umbrella of monogamy, and then, you know, after they're in love with you, um, oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't think this is going to work for me. I think, I think that that's a bit coercive. Well, I don't hold think on. That's well, hold on. I'll say this because, like I said, the relationship I was in, when we entered the relationship, I mean, it was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to play party or something. That's very different than I'm Polly and I need, I, I, you know, at, in this identity, like it's important for me to be sexual with other people or romantic with other people. That's a whole different thing. I mean, both of those things, if they pop up, right, are, are, are things. No, my situation was, it wasn't initially, I didn't know my partner was poly. That's something they told me while we were in that relationship. That's something we had to discuss and have a conversation about. Now, if I said it does not work for me, then I would have, it would have been my responsibility to be like, all right, this ain't working for me. I think it's coercive when you come to your partner and you're like, you know, out of nowhere, out of the clear blue sky, after this person is committed to you, in love with you, um, you know, um, y'all have developed a bond and all this, all these things. And then it's like, mm, well, you know, this is yeah, like, it was out of nowhere. Yeah. When it comes out of nowhere <laughs> and it's, and it's very like, and it's very ultimatum. It's very like, look, we either going to do this or we not going to be together. I, I, I think that that can be a bit coercive. Yeah. I don't think that that's coercive because you get to oh, say, cool. no, I'm out of here. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, I'm out of here. yeah, yeah. I mean, like legit, like we have been like in this example for you know, we were together for some years. You know what I'm saying? We're talking like you know, gay married back in the day, domestic partnership, bills, all that. Like we were together, and so you know, in that kind of situation too, you untangle some things if you want to untangle. You're not just untangling peace. I'm out and I move out. No, you're untangling bank accounts. You're untangling health insurance, you untangle in all kinds of stuff in that kind of situation. When she, when she told me, I was like, all right, well, let's talk about Because all I, uh, up until that point, you know, I was used to like all the queer women, trans people, color, play party moments that were very specific, controlled environments. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That were like, you know what I mean? Not a relationship. That's very different, right? That's not what I was expecting, right, at all. So it was a surprise. And we really did have to talk through it. We had to talk through it together. We had to talk through it with other people in community. 
that um, we're also in poly relationships, you know what I'm saying? To get some perspective for me, at least, you know, um, and even just the other couples, you know what I'm saying? Where it was like trans folks involved in particular. And, um, you know, yeah, it, like it was not like a, it wasn't like she told me and I was like, oh, okay, you know what I mean? Like there was a process, right? And there was some education, there was a, a learning curve on my end and the choice that I had to make about whether or not I wanted to continue to be in that situation, you know. Um, now, eventually, you know, it didn't last, but, like, that was a little bit down the line. But I'm just saying, like, you know, when she told me, though, it was a surprise. I, I, my, 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 my Judy's will tell you it was a surprise, okay? And it was a process, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad I stayed in it, but it definitely was, like, a choice I made, I guess is what I'm saying. I, th- I think you got to take a, accountability. You got to take accountability for your compromises, like, I think, and don't call them coercion because then it gets, well, I don't, you can call them whatever you want. I don't want to tell you what not mm-hmm. to call them. But <laughs> for me, <laughs> I, I, I I would feel weird if my partner, if I can't, because sometimes shit change with me out of the blue. I can't control it. But my job is to fucking communicate it with you. So it may be out of the blue, but I'm communicating it with you. And this is what my need, this is how my needs have shifted. Yes, I know we be, I know we've been going through this for We've been at this thing this particular way for three years and we're in it deep, whatever. But whatever has happened, I have shifted and I need something else. And my job as a as a person in a relationship with you is to communicate with you when those shifts happen. And so when that shift happened, yes, it may be out of the blue. You may not knew you may not know what has been going on with me for however long it's been shifting. But now I'm telling you, and to you, it may be out of the blue, but this is what's happening. And if you decide to make compromises to what you want to stay with me, I am not forcing you. I'm not forcing you. I'm just communicating you the shift and opening up the door for us to have conversations about it, as Jay was just talking about, conversations about it. But if you decide to stay with me and try to work in this poly stuff that I have brought in here, then I don't feel like that is manipulation or converge, uh, um, coercion. I feel like you are compromising. And if it doesn't work out, now you mad and calling it coercion because it didn't work out because you comp- compromised. I I would I would I I just I I agree and I disagree. I agree with um it should definitely be rollout. I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. Like that's the whole point. Um, and me bringing this up because I want people to have the strength to know that it's okay to leave if something don't doesn't work for you. Right. You're, it's okay if that's not your person. It's okay to be single. Um, it's it's okay to even not want those types of relationships, right? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not against that at all. I'm a proponent for that, but I do also want want to be honest about. Um, about coercion and to me it does you know whether it's again whether it's intentional or not whether um you know whatever i i do think it's a bit coercive and even in the the what you described the instance the example that you gave diamond i think that you know whether it's intentional or not we're humans nobody is perfect but if you're having questions 
you know, it, it takes trust and communication, like Jay said, relationships. If you're if you're having question about something that directly affects your partner, I think that it should be addressed as soon as you start to have those questions with yourself. I think you should address mm -hmm. them with your partner so that it's not it's never a situation of, of coming out of the blue. I think that if you keep something, I, I think anytime you keep something away from your partner, um, you omit something from your partner. Um, that directly affects them, that directly affects your relationship. I do think that that, that, that is manipulative, whether intentional or not. What? I'm like, you yeah. can't possibly believe that. It's impossible for you. Come on now, Bree. When you like, like sexuality, it don't just come a switch. If 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 I'm a married man and I'm a and, and I'm with a um and I'm with a woman and I'm having curiosities about bisexuality mm -hmm. and I'm keeping it to myself because either I may have shame or I'm not I haven't thought it through because these just little sparks have come up. I haven't mm -hmm. thought it through. But finally, on March the some let's say this is March 2024. These these ideas had came in my mind in 2019, 2020. There's some sparks little came, but when I was ready to talk about it, happened in March 2024. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's manipulative that I didn't tell you my innermost thoughts back in 2019. I don't think mm -hmm. it's manipulative. I don't think it's shady. Sometimes I haven't even figured it out for me to be able to communicate it with you. Because we are not robots and we are not human. We, I mean, we are human. And so, therefore, it's no way for us to always, right the exact moment, feel like I can talk to this person about this. Sometimes I got to talk it, I got to think it through so I can be prepared to prepare to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you can't possibly think that, that every thought I have as your partner, I'm going to just come and bring it to you as soon as no, I have it. No, not every thought, but, but the thoughts. The thoughts that could direct me, the thoughts that could affect me in this direct in this relationship directly. The thoughts that could affect us, the thoughts that could affect our bonds, our relationship. I don't you now, if you started having these thoughts in 2019, you coming to me by 2024. I've I feel that's that's in in it's a difference of perspective. To some people, maybe that's okay. To some people, maybe that's understandable. But for me, it's not. And that's because I'm not that type of person. That's not how I communicate. That's not how I think. And I've experienced these things. I have experienced changes in sexuality. I have experienced um, changes in, in sexual interest and desire throughout my life. I've experienced this in relationship. And so this is not just me preaching some shit. But this is how I actually operate and how I move in relationship. Whenever I have a thought, whenever I start to have thoughts, especially now, maybe not immediately, but if if I feel changes in my sexuality, if I have thoughts of changes in my sexuality and I'm with somebody, within six months of me having those thoughts, if they're persisting or they're consistent. So did you manipulate it? Did you manipulate did you manipulate them for six months? If you waited six months and since the, until you told them, mm -hmm. so you started having it this time and then you waited six months. So in that whole six months that you waited, is that manipulation? I think it depends on the person. For me specifically, in, in that instance, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't intentional ma manipulation. But 
they could have felt manipulated. They they could have been manipulated. Um, and and I think that if they felt that way, it's, it's valid. Wow. Yeah. I feel like, I, first of all, I'm not expecting my partner to communicate like me. Yes, do I want open communication? But I'm a whole separate human being from this person. And how they process their thoughts and experiences... I, I got ADHD. So how somebody who is, I'm neurospicy, honey. And so if somebody is not neurospicy, how they process things is going to be different from mine. And so, but that's every individual. We're going to have a different way of how we process and communicate and think. And I think if the, in, if, if we're, I don't, I just don't, I feel like it would be weird for my partner to say, because, oh, I, I wanted to be with this lesbian. I ain't never been with no lesbian, but I met this person and I, I finally was attracted to a cis woman and then, I, but I kind of blew it off. And then a year later, I'm like, you know what? I'll explore this. I don't think me waiting that year makes me manipulating him. And if he I said that it, I was I manipulating, depends, that's shady. I think, I think it all depends on somebody's thought, thought patterns. But what, what I was saying ultimately with the example that I gave, um, in these cases, people have felt manipulated or people have spoken of them processing um, or or them realizing their partner desires, their partner's desires had manipulated them mm. into into doing things um, or had coerced them. And and, and, I, and, I, and I think that it's fair, again, I think that it's fair for whether I intended to manipulate somebody or not, I think it's fair for them to feel manipulated. Whether I attempted to coerce somebody or not, I think it's fair for them to feel coerced. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll jump in. Um, I think it's fair for people to feel how they feel. I, I'm not one of them people. If your feelings are based oh, hold on, hold on wrongness... Yeah. If the sky is blue yeah. and you got on glasses and you see the sky is red, nigga, you're wrong. People, <laughs> your feelings are wrong. Go all ahead. I'm saying is people feel how they feel. That don't mean reality. You know, that's all okay. I'm saying. Is like people feel how they feel. It don't mean it's reality. It's why people feel so threatened by black people. Black people are 13% of the population. And they think we probably like 30. You know what I mean? Based on TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of things real versus perceived. Um... You know, um, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, it's like anyway, but yeah, but also I was thinking about like, okay, the language. So I'm looking at because like even with language, it's like, no, things do like, you know, I know you mentioned you said, well, I don't want to tell you how to define no things are defined a certain way. Now we can interpret it differently, but things are defined a certain way. I do want to be, I think it's important, especially as we're in a lot of people will say things mean things. I think we've talked about this on the show where, where uh, about, uh, uh, was it like trans film and folks not being assigned male at birth? And it's like, well, that ain't really how that works. Just like trans <laughs> men. You, know I mean? you can define it the way you want to, but like, you know what I mean? And and, and people stand 10 toes down, like, that's how I define it. But and is well, that the work? No, that's not the working with definition. With coercion, with coercion, for exa example, that's to, by definition, is to uh, persuade somebody by force or threat. And I feel like um, if if the threat is you know you leaving me, then then yeah, that that could be coercion. And and some people do, and and some people do have conversations like that. For some people, it is um, you know pop up one day. Look, I'm I I want to fuck other people. Um, 
if you ain't down with it, then I got to go. Um, you know, by definition, that that is coercion. That That's persuading using a threat. I don't, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to put this out here. I think it, it depends on the power dynamics in the situation. Like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, if my partner said, you know what I mean? I could be like, okay, you know, like, that I do see how that's a threat to the stability of your relationship, depending on like how long you've been in it or whatever, what you got going on, you know, like are you partnered? Are you living together? Are you, you know, all that kind of stuff? Um, how I could bring up those things, but at the same time, you know, okay. <laughs> if I don't want to do that, then I guess we're breaking up. You know what I mean? Like nobody go find another lease. I am again. I, I am again on on y'all side. I'm just playing devil's advocate because because yeah. for, for me personally, Bree is never going to be somebody who's um you know who's settling for anything. But um by definition, I I have been coerced by a partner who admitted that you know he felt like he coerced me as well um into into polyamory. I wasn't given the option to, and to be fair, I. You know, now I, I'm open to non-monogamy. So even then, I was open to non-monogamy. I had some things to work through regarding social norms and relationships. But I was always open to non-monogamy. Um, he did coerce me, by definition, into polyamory um, because he didn't truly give me an option to explore it with him. It was kind of like, look, um, I'm, 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 taking your, I'm taking this relationship from you. Or, um, you know, you're going to go along with things the way I want to go along with them right now. I mean, look, like, because it's not like there's some other stuff, power dynamics going on in that situation. It does, it, there were, there yeah. were different yeah. power, power dynamics. Those are kind of similar it. circumstances I was in, which was like, yo, I really am poly. And I was like, the fuck like it was a problem it was not like an easy initially i wasn't like oh yeah okay you know i was like we're gonna have to talk about this no, it's that was open situation you know uh, so. it, that was that was a very nuanced situation but again i have been coming across i i just wanted to make it clear for the audience and make this conversation as short as possible because it could go on forever it could be a whole topic in itself for a podcast um but I wanted to make it short and sweet, but in these instances that I've been telling y'all about, I communicate with people a lot, um, and I talk to people online a lot, and I dig in people's heads. That's what I do. I'm a psychologist, I, but it's not, it's innate for me. Um, I love to know what people think. If if you're not a book that I can read, then I'm going to put you back on the shelf. And in these nuanced instances. Um, there have been uh, changes in power dynamic. There have been, um, n you know, nuances in um, mental health and in a lot of things. And ultimately, I wanted to have this conversation because I want to promote to people, you know, to gain their independence, to fight for their mm -hmm. independence, to fight for their autonomy, to fight for their right to choose. You know, um, some people are in relationships for survival reasons. Honestly, um, a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I, I, I just want to remind people that it's, it's okay to be single. It's okay to be broke. It's okay to struggle without that person. Um, yeah. Y'all have any any further thoughts regarding um, non-monogamy? 
I want to say, just adding that your life is in your hands. Yes, I know certain decisions can be hard. In particular, so social economic situations, you can't just pick up and leave sometimes. But once you know that this is not working for you, you can start, even though you decide to stay, the compromise is you decide to stay, but you stay until you can get on your feet and get the fuck up out. You mentally say, hey, I know I can't leave this situation right now because I am, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I got, we connected in, in regards to our finances, but know that and you need to make a switch in your brain and say, oh, I don't want this. And I need to, Figure out a way how I can get up out of here and really take accountability for the compromises that you make. And it'll be a part of your strategic plan to get up out of this situation. Because once they tell you what's going on, you know what's going on. And so now you got to get your ass up out of there and figure it out. Now, I'm not saying leave right then because I know uh, they might be paying the bills. They might be whatever. But mm -hmm. you know this is not what you want. And so... Now your mindset is okay. I gotta survive. Now I need to get up out of here. I need now. I'm. I gotta make an exit plan. So mm. boom, and that is your choice. That's you taking your power back. That is you being accountable for your actions, and boom, do what you need to do to get up out of that situation. Absolutely, absolutely, honey. And and yeah. Yeah, to to close that out, that that is exactly what I did to get out of that situation, honey. Um, yeah, but. I want to know what y'all think out there. I want to know what the listeners think. How do y'all feel about non-monogamy? Have you ever been in a non-monogamous relationship? Are you open to non-monogamous relationship? Why or why not, honey? And for those who have tried non-monogamy, how does it work for you? How did it work for you? Hashtag Marsha's plate when you do that. Hashtag M-A-R-S-H-A-S. P-L-A-T-E, Marsha's Plate. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy in space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme you the feeling and the high. You never So, what is bringing y'all euphoria this week? The love from my brothers and other folks in the community, that's bringing me, from other Black trans folks uh, at home, that's bringing me a lot of a euphoria, um, the way folks are trying to hold each other down. Um, even though it's like negative, but the ways that in which that we can show up for each other um, as Black people, specifically as Black trans people, um, that feels good. Black LGBT people, that feels good um, for us to continue to try to support and love one another. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the ashes of this tra some tragedy um, community coming to love on each other is bringing me euphoria this week. What about you, Bree or Diamond? <laughs> euphoria, honestly, is is y'all. Euphoria, euphoria for me has been community and has been social media again i think i'm going through a period now where um i'm enjoying i'm enjoying all things that 
are coming along with with being a voice. Well, this past week, anyway, I've been enjoying all things that um, have been coming along with being a voice. Um, I've been responding, you know, to more sponsors. Um, potentially going to be um, working with more products, you know, to to build in the income to pay the bills. Um, and yeah, I've been also grateful for my resume and my resume is built through community. You know, I've been looking for a nine to five job here lately. Um, mm-hmm. And it feels good to be able to look at my resume and everything that I've I've accomplished have been because of my relationships with other people. And also I have looked forward to coming back on with you all, you know, looking forward. I've been looking forward to see y'all. It brings me euphoria being able to have these discussions with y'all like I can have with no nobody else. Um, and it also feels good being able to share these discussions with our community. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's what's been bringing me euphoria, you know. Um, yeah, even when it comes to social media, down to Cat Williams, you know, the, the whole Cat Williams interview. <laughs> I'm very thankful for um, all of the content creators. Yes, honey. So, what about um, oh, God. So uh, this, this year, um, Christmas was one. So y'all know we started a podcast in 2017. Um, In that space of me starting a podcast, I kind of built a podcast community and we called ourselves the, the baddie, the black baddie brigade. And so it was us, T with Queen and J, um, Queer Walk, um, Inner Hole Uprising and the bag ladies, you get what I'm saying? And so I just built this community of, um, podcast women who you know just have black feminists at the black feminist politics at the core of their um of their ideologies and so um one of them was Nikita Slade and she passed away a couple of years ago she was the host of Queer Walk um and you know, it was just some random fucking blood clot situation. She had an accident at work and caused a blood clot and she passed away. So her birthday is on Christmas. And so um, her my her best friend, which is her co-host, Money, when she passed away, she, her best friend had to go through her things. And she, um, she said, would you like some of her books? And I was like, yeah, give me any of her books on capitalism. Because I love when she talk about her capitalist bag. So during her birthday season, I was like, oh, let me read. Let me start the book that, you know, Money sent me that she owned. And I, it is called Black Awakening in Capitalist America. Black Awakening in Capitalist America. And... It is a dope-ass book by Robert Robert L. Allen, but what, what has been bringing me joy is while I am reading, while I'm reading this, Nikita, the one that passed away, put, look, all these little, I don't know if y'all can see it, but there's like oh, these, no. these little notes of her highlighting, you know, she just was a black stud lesbian <laughs> little flower. Like, it was, she just was such a dope person. And to have her notes in this book helping me 
navigate the book because this is like mm-hmm. I said, capitalism and um, class—not necessarily class, but capitalism—is one that I'm is one of those systems that I'm not totally like grip gripping it <laughs> like I want to grip it. And so to have her in this book, kind of talking me through it like a teacher <laughs> with her notes and her sticky notes that she has stick to the um, pages. Like here go one. And she just has so many little tidbits in here, making connections to other things. And it has been bringing me joy. I <laughs> just see it like it's all kinds of little notes in here. So that has been bringing me joy to have her mind and her spirit be still in this book as I read it. And so I want to shout out to and say rest in peace to Nikita. Um, you know, her birthday was on December and I miss her word. I miss her mind. And I miss her contribution to all these conversations that we have. And yeah, I want to just keep her spirit alive by bringing her into this euphoria. Yeah, it's dope. I love it. <laughs> yeah, 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 honey, love to hear it. Yes. So let us know what has been bringing y'all euphoria this week. We love to hear it. Hashtag Marches Play. And we will see y'all next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye, y'all. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be all right.